So a lot of people think, oh, rules and regs are very tight and we're being hard done by, why can't I do this? And why can't I have that ingredient? And so I've seen that settled quite a lot of times and it's like, because it hasn't passed safety and quality checks. Yeah. I want to use this ingredient. It's called Whizbang. And I'm like, well, it's got a weird name. It's probably a chemical. Therefore, it's not really a herb or a food. Oh, but it's derived from such and such. And it's Mm -hmm. by a big company in the US or overseas or somewhere. I'm like, Mm -hmm. but if we're not allowed to use it here, there's a reason for it. Hello and welcome. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. And I am super, super lucky to have with us Dr. Brad McEwen again. Now, he was in a couple of weeks back, and we were talking then about the fact that you're not just a nutritionist. And then we got on to um, all the compounding and products. And so that's brought us around to another session and another podcast. So we wanted to talk today about formulations and compounding regulations for prackies because this is a question again in all of the groups what do i have to put on the bottle what do i put on the jar what do i put on the packet what does the client have to see and brad you work in this industry as well as running your own practice you're actually in the industry creating formulations um, within big business so tell us about it how how can we get around you know what are we meant to be writing and what are we meant to see on products on commercial products and and very good question. Um, and firstly, I'd love, love to say I'm really excited to be back. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, and it's a big area talking about formulations and you know regulations, which can be very dry for people. So I'll try and keep it exciting. Um, so when it comes down to Australia, we have different levels of products. So we have the extemporaneous compounding or dispensing, which is what we do as naturopaths, herbalists, and nutritionists, where we compound. And then you have something called a listed medicine. Now, a listed medicine is um, you know, a vitamin, a mineral, a herbal product that you buy off the shelf at a health food store pharmacy that you order from your you know, local you know, business in general speaking, but also what you prescribe in your pre- professional clinic. Yeah. And what you'll find is on the front, normally on the right down the bottom, there's like OST space L, then a number, and that's it's like its listed number, so it's on a register. Now, when we formulate something like that, it's quite interesting because we know as health professionals what vitamins, minerals, and herbs, amino acids, and everything do. But when it comes to formulating a product, we sort of have to think, you know, I could formulate 10 products today, five tomorrow, and 20 the next. Like I'm formulating a lot for a lot of big and small companies. And some of them are like what we call mum and dad single practitioner mm-hmm. companies and others are like large ones and I can't mention any of their names. Yep. But it comes down to there's an idea of what I want to have and I want it to improve sleep or I want it to do this and this. And sometimes it's formulating with basic ingredients. Might be passion flower, valerian or hops or something for sleep. And I'll use sleep as an example. And then what we have to do is work out you know, the extract concentrate. So you'll find on the label, it might have passion flower, 100 milligrams. 
derived or equivalent to a thousand. So the rules changed years ago because of people misleading the public where it looked like there was more in a formula than it actually was. There's no way you can have 35,000 milligrams of milk thistle in a 1,000 milligram tablet. No. Won't fit. Right. So we've, we've learned over the last 100 years on how to extract concentrates. The ingredients are concentrated so they're in a smaller amount and we can fit more in a, in a tablet or a capsule. And one thing to note is tablets, capsules, liquids and powders all have excipients. And I know that's a very big debate online. Yeah. Is about this product has no excipients, and I'm like, well, how's it made? Because um, <laughs> every product has it's just the quality of the product is based on what other excipients they do and don't use for that titanium dioxide and talcum powder. And I was like, oh my god, keep away from that. So you might yeah. use silica. Yeah, silica is a very good excipient for helping you know the powder not stick in the machine and the tablets to form properly and actually stay together when you sell yes. them. When people buy them, they are tablets. So you formulate, and then once you get your formula, formulation together, it might be like the passion flower hops valerian mix, throw in some magnesium as well. Yeah. We then have to um, get the specification ready. It's like a recipe that's on a legal document that can't change whenever you want. And then you have to put together an evidence package. Right. And that evidence package is quite detailed where you have to look at systematic reviews and clinical trials, and it has to be in healthy people, not diseased people because um, this is what listed medicines are. It's not like Zoloft, for example. Yeah. And the evidence has to be swayed in the benefits. So if you do one paper, one article, and you go, oh, that's cool, I'm going to use that. No, because no one ever uses one level. Yeah. You need to look at it. And then it's the balance. So if you have 10 trials and five of them are positive and five are negative, that's not in the balance of evidence. No. You need to have like six or seven in favour of what you want. Then you need to look at the dose and the extract form. It's quite detailed. I won't bore a lot of people with it, but it's a lot <laughs> yeah, of fun for me. Yeah, we haven't got time. We are, we are the bite-sized podcast. We're we are the bite-sized. Size. Yeah. Take a day. <laughs> I get very excited. Um, but it's, it's, it's formulating. It's so exciting. And it's putting it all together and getting the evidence for it. And sometimes you might look at it and go, but it does more than that. And it's like, well, we know that as health professionals, clinical evidence, but the science or the traditional usage is not there. And if it has traditional usage, which means it's over 75 years of age, you have to use the famous phrase of, you know, passion flowers traditionally used in Western herbal medicine to induce sleep. And you go, gee, that's a long sentence. I'm going to say passion flower for sleep. Yeah. No. No. If, you're for, if your evidence says traditionally used, you have to say that every single time. But if you have a trial that shows that lavender oil, for example, lavender oil does improve sleep and stress and mild anxiety and all this kind of stuff. You can use it without the prefix of traditionally used. So I remember there was a conversation a couple of months ago in one of the Facebook groups where people were um, you know, having a go at a formula because it was a naturopathic brand and it did say traditionally used, traditionally used. And mm. it's hard to explain. That's where the evidence is. Yeah. But in clinical practice, we turn around and say, you know, passion flower is very useful for helping you sleep. Because yep. that's the way we explain it to our patients. Yeah, totally. But we need that evidence to support it. And you learned that at college, at seminars, conferences, and reading up on your journal articles and stuff. And then once you have that evidence packaged together, you get what they call a list of permitted indications. And these are, if you can't find one of the over 5,000 different ones we get to choose from, there's a problem. <laughs> so it could be as simple as antioxidant and inflammatory, and it's written for you. You can't do free text. 
and you can't embellish on it. So that's why you'll find some labels look a bit hard to read sometimes. It's like that sentence doesn't make sense. And sometimes it's because it has to be word by word. There's no poetic um, license. Right. While, while other times it's like, oh, I can combine those two health claims together because it's from the same ingredient because that's oh. what you're looking at is the ingredient in the formula. So passion flower um, calms and soothes the nerves and calms the mind as well as helping you know, yep. sleep, for, for example. That's a long sentence, but you can yep. say that because you've got the evidence package to say that. Right. You don't have an evidence package for the whole formula. No. So you can't say this formula does that. But what you can say is the ingredients in this yep. formula. So there's lots sleep. of lots of little tricks around the, you know, the big business one. Whereas when we've got our own compounding and our own making up yes. our own herbs, we don't have to write that stuff, thankfully. We That's don't right. have to figure those things out for, <laughs> for and, our and, clients. And, and that's the write. benefit of being a qualified health professional is that mm. we can use our knowledge and experience to formulate, like I yeah. talked about in our last podcast with that lady yeah. with the hand. Yeah. Um, you know, we can formulate on that. And then it's, you know, individually compounded. We know why we're doing it because of our scope of practice. We've learned it, studied it, and have the information for it. And then our justification is all that when we prescribe it. And some people ask the question, and we're talking about it beforehand, is what do you write on the label? What's what's required? And, and look, the rules and regulations, legislation, advertising code, and all the other things I have to learn off by heart change very regularly. So it's very hard to keep up with. But being extemporaneous dispensing, which is what we're doing, we're not making it up in bulk. We're making it up individually for a person um, is a lot different. If we were to make up a 1,000 bottles and sell them, the TGA food standards and everyone will come down on you because you're mass producing something. Yeah. But if you make one offs or yep. several bottles for the person, that's okay. Cause that's what extemporaneous is. Yeah. And as long as you have a good quality label, that's legible. That's for a start. Um, I've always printed mine out on the good old printer and have made you? it nice and easy. When I, when I dispense, I do it that way. I, um, I don't have pre-printed labels. Like when I first started, I may have used a company, I can't mention, but I may have used their label and written on it. Yep. And over yep. time, I created my own labels. And yep. then I would either pre-print them out because you can buy those little printers now. Yes. Or something, and you can print yep. off labels every time. Yep. And they're really Rather, good. They I are still, really good. I still handwrite mine. I have so many labels. I do still handwrite mine. Yes. Um, but when I'm compounding, I don't. So because it's a different... Like it goes on a jar, like on a on a pot, That's right. rather it's than different. on the glass bottle. <coughs> There's my herbs. I just use the commercial company ones, yeah. whatever I've got in the drawer, and I've literally got a set from every company, a big roll. So yeah. I've probably got another two thousand bottles worth because they used to just hand them out. They don't anymore. That's right. They used to just used used to buy five every bottles. conference. You got a roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> used to buy five bottles. You got a roll. Conference. You got a roll. I remember at one point uh, about ten years ago, I looked at and I had like eight or nine rolls. I think I'm down to like one and a half now. But it was I had so many rolls, and everybody gives them out. So it, it it was great. It is, it is great. And, and as long as the information is clear yeah. and visible. Yeah. So with TGA products that I was mentioning earlier, mm -hmm. the minimum font size or text height yeah. is 1.5 millimeter. Right. That's the minimum. Right. So I forget what, I think that's like 10 point yeah. in, in text when you print. Yeah. Um, that's the minimum. So there's a standard for that. 
course, when you handwrite, it's going to be larger than that because I can't write that small and my <laughs> writing's not neat anyway. Um, this happens when you use a computer for a long time and yeah. forget how to write. Um, or neatly, I should say. As long as the information is clear, legible, and you can have your pre-printed label with blank name, mm. blank directions and everything. So you can print off mm. a thousand of them and have ready and then mm. you literally write on top of it, which yeah. is perfectly fine because we can do that. And as long as the instructions are clear, Yep. And I can tell you from back when I was in the second year of college, you go into student clinic and you're actually helping prescribe. And I remember one of my friends at college um, had a patient. She wrote the label out for her and the person came back two weeks later, quite distressed and stirred up. And they're like, why? And she goes, you know, I was going to the toilet all the time. I was feeling bloated and everything. I felt bad. You know, because the instructions were five mils three times a day and two liters of water. What the person did, is five mils three times a day in two litres of water. Oh. So she was having six litres of water a day plus everything else. So no, I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and, and that comes down to your clarity and your instructions yeah. to the person. Yep. But if you put on the label, you know, five mils in yep. water and then on separate instructions, you know, yeah. your diet and lifestyle kind of thing that would make it easier for someone to in an extreme yeah. example of that when i was in the uk when i was nursing um a grandfather collapsed on the ward and the family spoke chinese it was very you know the whole thing got very difficult obviously because the daughter's just had a baby she's translating we're resuscitating you know and everything's pe- neonatal size so everything's tiny so we have to get the crash cart and you know, do all the things. He was fine. He was fine. I'll just put that in there before I carry on. Um, but he had been given a liniment by his Chinese herbalist to rub on his sore leg and he was taking it and it was poisonous. Mm. So he was taking it internally. So, I mean, that's an extreme case of not explaining what's going on and thankfully he decided to collapse in an intensive care unit admittedly <laughs> for, for babies so we're all like looking at him going oh i can't weigh him you know how are we gonna we're <laughs> used to drawing up things at naught point naught naught mills and suddenly you know we, we actually need the adult team to come because everything goes into you know actual mills and um but you know he was fine but that's an extreme case but mm. at the end of the day we have to explain and it's you know our clients are just, they're buying stuff on the internet. If you go on the big companies, like the big American company that um, people go and they buy one thing and they'll buy something that they want. They think, oh, I need some zinc and they'll go on there and they'll buy it. But of and course it comes up underneath. <laughs> yeah. The, last, the person who bought this also bought this and they also bought this and they also bought this. So you have a client comes in with all of these things that are not Ostel products. They're not TGA approved. You don't know where they were made, the standard they were made to. What's in them? What's in them, whether they're actually what it says on the label. We know the Ostel stuff says what it is on the label. And you'll see that as well in a lot of those. Um, I see that, you know, people say, oh, they took 50 products off the shelves and none of them had in them what they said they had in them. It's like those were American products on American right. shelves. They were not Australian products on Australian shelves with Austell numbers on them. They were foreign products. They were not available in New Zealand, in Australia know, or New Zealand. You know, it's funny way. enough. One researcher flew overseas yeah. for an Australian study for that reason, because they knew they couldn't get here yep. the answer. They actually wanted to prove that our products were useless. Yeah. So, but something exciting to note, just so um, if the listeners know is in Australia, products have to be tested, 
have a certificate of analysis. You have to prove what's in it to start with, which is very exciting. Microbial yep. count has to be yep. below a certain amount. Otherwise, you're going to give yourself problems. Yep. But also, it has to go on a stability program. So every 6, 12, 18, and 24 months minimum, it's tested. And if it fails testing, one, it could be recalled, yep. which is not good. And two, if it's only slightly under, we can actually reformulate next time and put what we call an overage in. So let's just say it's 100 milligrams of vitamin C and it falls to 85 because 90 is the absolute minimum for it. We would then put in 10% extra or 15, whatever the math is for that time point, And then we actually increase it. So in Australia, the, we are the highest quality products in the yeah. world raw materials, what we call them, the ingredients, as well as the manufacturing process. So essentially we're actually made to a higher standard than some medicines because they believe we're um, you know, not up to scratch. So we actually have higher standards in some cases for a lot of things. So, you know, have faith in the Ostel, have a faith in our Australian companies. Yeah, you know, totally. And in regards to products that do not have an Ostel, it could be like a herb that you dispense from yep. that won't have one because it's extemporaneous. Some powders won't for that same reason. So not everything will have one, but yep. when you buy it from a reputable company, in yep. an Australian reputable company, you know that they'll still do everything right to make sure their product is high quality for you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I do. Um, before Sydney went into its lockdown, I was doing lots of podcasting with Christine from the Herbal Extract Company, and I went to look around there during one of the opening moments in the last two years. I managed <laughs> to get to Sydney and um, have a look around the facility. And the conversation, you know, the TGA coming in, how extensive it is, the testing for everything that all of the Australian companies have to go through. It almost seems, you know, mate, send it offshore to make it. It must be so much easier, but we don't because we yep. want that high standard and that high standard is so Australia. And imagine being so pathetic. You've got to go overseas to take 50 items off shelves to, to prove that there's nothing in them because you cannot do that in Australia because it's just and, not, that and, stuff's and, not and, here. And, that, that's, and that's the crazy thing about it. But if you think about the Australian method, we have audits. Yeah. So therefore we have to pass. If we don't pass a TGA audit or a food standards audit, we're closed. Yeah. The company gets closed. And if a company was, let's just say Brand X decides mm. to um, manufacture overseas and sell it in Australia, that overseas company has to be good manufacturing practice approved and yeah. TGA certified. <laughs> but now you're going to ship it from overseas into Australia yeah. to sell it. And with the shipping rates and the dollars at the moment because of COVID, make it here. Yeah, <laughs> so totally you're trying to bypass rules that you have to follow. Yeah. So a lot of people think, oh, rules and regs are very tight and we're being hard done by, why can't I do this? And why mm. can't I have that ingredient? And so I've seen that settled quite a lot of times and it's like, yeah. because it hasn't passed safety and quality checks. Yeah. I want yeah. to use this ingredient. It's called Whizbang, And I'm like, well, if it's got a weird name, it's probably a chemical. Therefore yeah. it's not really a herb or a food. Oh, but it's derived from such and such. And it's by a big company in the US or overseas or somewhere. I'm like, yeah. but if we're not allowed to use it here, there's a reason for it. Yep. It hasn't passed the quality assessment checks here. Yep. Yeah. I remember back in 1999, back in the old days, um, <laughs> selenium, if back in June mm. wasn't available, we were not allowed to have selenium in products. Yeah. And then July, mysteriously, we were allowed to have a massive 25 micrograms. Yes. And then over time, it increased. And it's still, it's been at 150 maximum per day for a long time. Yeah. And that's because of the issue with safety. Mm. That 
low doses are good, medium doses are good, and high doses in some situations are not so good. Mm. And I believe those will probably be checked again in the next yeah. few years. I think 2025 is another check because they have to wait for an extended period of time. Yeah. But, but going back to labelling, because we could get yeah. excited and talk about all different we things. We got sidetracked. Uh, labelling. <laughs> labelling. Back to labelling. Yeah, labelling, as long as you have the main information on there, and that includes your name, address, and details, and all your information, because I've seen people forget that. Yeah. Um, funny enough, it's your marketing and advertising on a label in someone's kitchen. Do it. Yeah. Um, put your stamp on it or get your labels made up. And then the person's name. Yeah. And before I forget to say, because we're all really excited, is whenever I prescribe something, I hand it to them and I say, here is your powder here is your liquid here is your vitamin c tablet here is your and i explain it's for them yep it's for them only it's not for their whole family this is a personalized as a formula for you now let's just say um i've got it from one of our companies that you know they make it for you and send it or they deliver it for you the same thing can still be said where Mm. this is your formula this is for you it's not for anyone else and that's what what we have to explain so you have the person's name and details on an extemporaneous formula, particularly. And then, of course, the date. Mm-hmm. Because you need to know when it was dispensed. People yep. forget that one. Because they might have multiple bottles and they have to remember which one. And then, of course, the dosage instructions. Yeah, And make it very clear, like we said early on. You know, if it is five grams, you know, it's not always a teaspoon. A teaspoon could yeah. be six grams or four grams is based on density. So you have to be very careful when you say that. But most of the things are pretty, I try not to use the word safe, but if it's slightly over or under, yeah. it's, it's yeah. safe um, for us to do that. And then make sure it's really nice and clear. With liquid yeah. herbs, it could be, you know, 10 drops. We're talking drop dosing before. Yeah. 10 drops twice a day five mils and you give them the measuring cylinder, mm. measuring cup, I should say, like there's all different ways and just explain it in detail verbally yeah. to the person. I give a script as in like I give paperwork to yep, the person that I print out I live. I don't have any um, pre-printed anything I hand out to um, any of my patients. Everything's done mm. live. Yep. Diet, lifestyle, Mediterranean diet sheet is printed with their name on it. Yep. Everything's yep. for them because they might say I don't like tomato. And I'm like, tomato is good for, and they, they don't listen to you anymore because you haven't listened to them. So everything for me is personalized. Yep. With the instructions on there, the instructions on the label and the verbal instructions as well. <laughs> and then a follow-up phone call sometimes like seven. If it's a tricky case, I might say, give me a call in seven days. I don't call them. No. I want them to have ownership. So yep. I say, give me a call in seven days and let me know how well you are going. Yep. Not how, how well, putting the positive, you know, vibe, Mm -hmm. how well you're going. And that gives them a chance to also say, oh, is it twice a day? I was only doing it once. Or Mm -hmm. like you can check in on how much. Yeah. Let's just say they say to you, I've run out. Yeah. And you go, but that bottle's for two weeks and it's only been a week and you've run out. Mm. They've, They've done the wrong dosage or they've measured it wrong. Yeah. So that's, again, for clarity, be very, very clear. So dosage instructions, handwritten or typed or whatever, nice and clear. Before food, with food, after food, before bed. We may have in our notes AC, PC, you know, all the different abbreviations with TDSs and BIDs and everything else. But that's for us. Don't ever write that for anyone else because they don't understand our language. Write it out in full. If it is five mils, 
in water three times a day before food, whatever, make it very, very clear. Absolutely. And then they can't get it wrong. Yeah, Some absolutely. Can, on the, most, <laughs> you know. on the on the tops of compounding tubs, I actually write on the top in Sharpie, I will write two scoops times three daily. Mm. Because, you know, it's a huge, because on the front of your other one, it might be on the front, but for some, you know, I, when you give them that big tub, if you've got a scoop in there and it's just like, you know, they might have two things or three things with the herbs, they're generally going to go on the lower side of the dose because mm. of the flavor. But with the scoops, you know, it's like, oh, how many scoops? Was I've got to look again. And because I've got it in the kitchen, it gets a bit messy. Is it too heaped or is it too flat? Yeah. Scoops. Is it too heaped? Is it too flat? So it, that is written. I, I saw that years. I went into a cafe and I was, someone, they'd put their label on the front. It was um, a branded company product, but then they put their label on the front of it for the client. And so they've got their own label on the front, just like you get at a pharmacy. And then on the lid, it said two scoops in a smoothie once a day. So she was at the cafe going, make me my smoothie and put two scoops in, please. Yeah. And I was just like, why weren't I doing that? What? Why hadn't I thought of that? I give out all these tubs all the time. And, you know, and, and instead of all the little words on the front, the person had covered up. You could say I knew which company it was, mm. but they'd covered it up except for the use by and the batch number. So they'd put their own label on it to say, and it was all, you know, on the front. So that's their labeling. That's their marketing. Here I am in your kitchen with you. Here I am. Yep. And on the top, there was exactly what to have. And I thought, brilliant way of doing it why hadn't I thought of that this was years ago it's like 10 years ago mm. and um and the cafe are like oh yeah people do it all the time she sends yeah. people up all the time That's <laughs> like, it. And what better than in a smoothie if it works yeah so yeah and someone else health. is making it for you so someone you else know. is making it for you and it's a good yeah. health boost and you get your doses yeah. in as well yeah so, so it's great so um yeah we would the um, so we started out here talking about the formulations and compounding and regulations because we talked in our last podcast about using compounding in our practice and how good it is. And this time we thought we really need to talk about some of these rules and regulations around it. So what have we covered? We've covered Ostel. We've covered making sure that they can read and understand what you've yes. written on the label. Make sure your marketing is on the label. Big yeah. one, big one. Who it's? I mean, I forget to tell people that. And the last one is with the herbs now use by dates yes. so on the herb bottles themselves because it says expire there's an expiry on your label that you yep. need to write on there now you could look through every single herb that you're giving out and go well the um shortest date one is in three years time so i'll use three years or the smart move is this should actually be completed in two weeks so i'm give it, going to give it double that time and, and that's the best way of thinking because mm. the herbal liquid is, I'm going to use the word guaranteed effectively mm. for that expiry date in mm. that bottle on yeah. its own. By itself. As soon yeah. as you start mixing it with other herbs, you do not know the biochemistry and interactions with those individual ingredients and how long it's going to affect the shelf life. Yeah. That's why TGA products have stability programs to show mm. that. We yeah. don't have the compounded version of it because it's your compound. Yeah. No one else has made it. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. So what I would normally do, depending on the appointments and how much is mm. in there. So I might look at it, doubling it is a good idea, like yeah. what you said, um, probably even triple it in some cases. Yeah. Um, I would never use the shortest expiry date, which I hear people say. 
Yeah. Because again, it's the stability of it. You don't want it too long because then people leave it and too short. People might think that you're trying to rip them off to get them back earlier. Yeah. Because you got that totally. thought in some people's totally. brains. So let's just say it's meant to last two weeks. Yeah. So I might turn around and say, you know, today's date, whatever it happens to be, plus two weeks, plus another two weeks, and then round it up. Like if it's yep. a odd number, round it up to whatever it is in the month. Yep. And and that way you know that one, it should be finished by then. Mm. And two, the, the I'm going to say consumer, the person consuming mm. it knows. Because if the date's too short, it's like when you go to a shopping centre and you find people grab something from the back thinking it's got a longer date on it. Yeah. Um, people think if it's got a short date, it's yeah. been around longer. It's like, no, we're formulating it for you for this yeah. specific time point. And you can even explain to them. Yeah. Okay, just say to them, this is your formula. We're combining it together for you. You know, it's valid. That's a good way of saying it. It's valid for four weeks or whatever, um, but you'll be finished before, way yeah. before then. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I mean, I, I used to put, I used to think, what shall I put on here? What shall I put on here? And then um, another, somebody on Facebook said, I've never put anything beyond three months because I want them back in for review before right. three months. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. So something that would last longer saying, you know, um, there's your three months on it because yes, it's going to survive longer that mm. compound or whatever in your refrigerator or whatever it's going to be. But the simple fact is I need to get you back in for a review because right. that compound might not be appropriate after your next appointment. That herbal mix might not be appropriate after your next appointment. So Changes I need to time. make sure that my dates on it are bringing you back to see me. Just like when we do an online order with one of the companies, one of the delivery companies, and you know, direct to the patient. Again, make sure that there's you limit your prescriptions to a length. You don't want an unlimited prescription that goes on forever and a day. Mm. Yes, fine, you can do a year if they're well and all the rest of it. But if it goes on forever and a day, is it really the right one for them? Are no, they taking what they need a review? It's not proper duty of care. And yeah. it's something that I was asked a lot when teaching and presenting, et cetera, is, you know, how do you go about that? Yeah. You know, and it, it's something that we need to think about is, you know, whenever I formulate, it's very rare for a patient to get the same formula twice. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm individually compounding, whether it's liquid herbs or powders, because you change the percentages. So it may yeah. be the same herbs, for example, yeah. But you've changed your primary and secondary, and we can talk more on you know, different podcasts on that. Yeah. But primary and secondary, you know, herbs or ingredients, you may change the amounts around. Mm. And you might take one out because they no longer need it, bring a new one in. So when I compound, which is regular, mm. they never get the same thing. Because yeah. otherwise, are they improving? Yeah. When you improve from this change, yes, multivitamin or zinc or vitamin C yeah. tablet or whatever, yeah. that's secondary to what you're doing. That's yeah. a supportive mechanism. You can't change that because it's in a solid form. Yeah. But when you compound, that's what you can change. And that's the yeah. difference you can make. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we'll leave it there for today. It's been absolutely brilliant having you back on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming back. And, um, and everybody, you know the deal. Give us a five-star review. We'd love that. Um, but thank you very much for coming back, Brad. And I hope to have you back on again. It's been great. I really enjoy our chats. Thank you very much. I always look forward to it as well. Cheers. Thank Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review, 
and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.